You're listening to Everyday Humanity. Welcome back this week to Everyday Humanity. We are so glad that you're joining us yet again this week. I'm Beth. I'm one of your hosts. And today we have Dennis with us, another one of our hosts, and my my boss, the CEO of this joint. Hi, Dennis. Wow, that sounds formal. Hi. Hi. I know. I'm glad you're here. We also have, um, as you guys might recall, we have our rotating guest hosts. And with us this week is one of our other staff members, Jeff Dashner, who is our senior VP of Ops. Hey, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me on the show today. Yeah, are you happy to be here? Excited. Okay, well, I promise I'm gonna make this really like nice. Right. I'm on my best behavior. So I'm really happy that you are here because um, our guests this week, you know very, very well. You've been spending a lot of time with them lately. and. You know, as um, we often say, our one of our missions here, our prime mission is to um, be on the forefront of ending homelessness through innovative solutions and community partnerships. And these guys are just a tremendous resource for us and others in the community. So I'm going to ask you to do the honor of introducing them. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's been a great project and, and great uh, getting to know and, and work alongside my partners here from Rockford. Uh, just a wealth of information, and, and we're in great hands. So uh, one of them is Ryan. He's a senior project manager at Rockford, and next to him is Tom, a vice president at Rockford, and one of our long-term board members. So so that means I have a boss in the room. That's right. <laughs> I have a board member in there. Not only is he Rockford Construction, but he is my boss. We're all on our best behavior I today. have to be on my best that, behavior. That's right. That's right. Hi, guys. Hi. Good Good afternoon. Yeah. It's, you know, it's going to be morning when this... So these drop at 7 a.m. on Wednesday. All right. So we'll pretend that, hey, good morning. Who's up at 7 a.m.? You know I am. Oh. 4. 4 a.m. So, you know, um, again, if you guys can just share, you know, your community involvement, Rockford Construction is huge. But for us specifically, the project that Jeff mentioned is our capital campaign, our immeasurably more capital campaign. And I just kind of want to ask you to sort of rewind from the time that you started and, and just really... Um, for those listeners that don't necessarily know about our capital campaign, one, I'd be in trouble since we have to market for that. But two, just, you know, what it's meant and what's been entailed when you started, just the kind of the details about that from your perspective. Well, uh, over 10 years ago, I started, uh, I was introduced to Mel Trotter and I had never been to Mel Trotter. Uh, we were actually doing a project renovating the the women's center or the family center on the fourth floor of the women's side. And Mike Van Gessler, our CEO, brought me down, introduced me to Mel Trotter. And at that moment, I started my relationship. And everything from un trying to understand what Mel Trotter does to um, many uh, Fridays coming down for, for various meetings to get known and have some uh, discussions about racism. Remember that? Yeah. Dennis, a while yeah. back. And just it was a great exposure for me and the people there. Um, but then when Dennis uh, became CEO, I had been a board member, a trustee for about 10 years, a board member for three, and then back for my second stint as a board member. And Dennis had a vision, and he shared it with the staff of, you know, how can we help this mission become even more and measurably more. And the, the, it, was, it was all about how, how to create dignity for the guests and create a, a, a spatial environment, a, to modify the actual building itself, to allow for the guests to have a different perspective 
of, of their place in society and to obtain dignity. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about more about that as we go. Um, I would, I'm going to give Ryan some time to talk a little <laughs> bit about, you know, how he learned about Mel Trotter as we, became, as we started the project. You know, I didn't know a lot about Mel Trotter before we got going. Um, we're going on almost a year now when I met Jeff, and I got involved with the campaign, and I've learned a lot about Mel Trotter since then. You know, when I, when I got involved with the project, I hadn't done a lot of projects that were heavily funded from donations. Right. So day one, it was a little bit different how we approached the project with not knowing, knowing where our end goal wanted to be, but not knowing where the funding was going to be along that process. So for me, I manage dollars and um, how we buy projects. So putting in different levers of how we're going to buy things when we hit to this funding goal, um, shift gears if we get to this goal, and um, how we navigate our way through phasing this project in relationship to the funding of the project. Um, because that, that's uh, significantly different from a lot of times how we try to buy at one time at the beginning and um, maybe phase through you know, how it's occupied. I mean, this building has stayed occupied through the whole entire process. And we've had to shift depending on whether and how many occupants we're seeing in December that need to come in. And we've had to shift and do a three-week remodel at 200 Division to try to get That's some people right. in because you know the, the weather started turning on us and, and we need to find more beds. So um, keeping up with a, the funding piece and what the demand is to keep folks off the street has been a little bit atypical, mm -hmm. I think. So and it, it's been a bit of a journey. It's been a bit of a learning curve. Um, it's definitely rewarding. It, it's very fulfilling work. So... Yeah, you hit on a lot of high points, right, about the funding and how that was new to you and how you couldn't just say, you know, this project is going to be this and it's going to cost this much money, right? So you had to say, as we do here, right, as a nonprofit organization who is dependent upon donations and fundraising. Um, I love that you brought that up because, Dennis, I think it would be really important for you to kind of talk about um, – when the whole process of even sort of going into a quiet phase and doing all that sort of research mm -hmm. saying, you know what, we know that we need to enter into a capital campaign, but there's so much that goes into that, that a lot of folks, unless they've been through that process, don't understand what that entails. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah. So, um, you know, for years we knew that we needed to do something about our building. You know, originally some of it was just about the necessity. So we, we describe our 225 Commerce location as two buildings, even though they look connected, but there used to be an alley between them and now it's an atrium. So anyway, our, our south building, um, really nothing had been done in that building for well over 50 years. So talk about this really old building with old HVAC and just just terribly uh, designed for the way we needed it. So we knew we needed to do that. And I remember one of the first times um, that I was in a meeting with Tom about construction, um, Tom sort of stopped the meeting and he asked one of the most important questions we've ever been asked along this process or, or any time I've been a part of it. And he simply said this, what are you trying to do? What is the program programmatic need that you're trying to solve? Because we can build any kind of building, we can do all this, but is it meeting a need? What is your defined need? And it really caused all of us in the room that were on staff at Mel Trotter to sort of step back and say, you know what, that's the right question. What are we trying to do here? It's not just we have an old building that we need remodeled. So um, 
fast forward and now we're doing what we do, right? So we think we want this and uh, Rockford and Rich Craig Architects are telling us, okay, you can do this for this amount of money. Well, now we have to figure out how, many, how much we can raise. So we hire um, a consultant like most nonprofits do to do a feasibility study. And the feasibility study comes back and says you can raise eight to $10 million, which sounds like a lot of money. But when you're renovating a, a building that's over 100 years old, um, that's basically renovating HVAC for $8 million, I mean, almost, right? Well, we were like, okay, if that's all we can raise. So we take it back to our board and uh, our board says, no, we think we can actually do more than that. Um, so we're going to raise, we're gonna set the goal at $12.1 million. And um, okay, 12.1. Well, in the meantime, we're saying, what's the theme of this campaign? And we landed on the theme being, Tom talked about it a minute ago, immeasurably more. And it's from a Bible verse where, where Paul writes that God is, a, uh, is willing and able to do immeasurably more than any one of us can ask, think, or imagine by his power and for his glory. Measurably more, perfect theme. So we start raising money. COVID hits. And all of a sudden we learn a couple of things. One, it's hard to do a campaign during COVID. Uh, two, we were going to go from 100-person dorms down to 20-person dorms. And we realized in COVID that that still wasn't dignified and it still wasn't safe from a medical perspective. So we threw Rockford another curveball and we said, we need to go to, you know, like two people in a room and four people that share a bathroom. Well, this is going to increase the price. Um, so now, instead of a goal of 12.1, we had a goal of... Um, Gosh, what was it, Jeff? 14.9. 14.9, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, 14.9 million. Remember the feasibility said, feasibility study said eight to 10. So we're raising money, right? We're praying, we're working hard, we're constructing, we're doing all these things. And wouldn't you know it, we ended up raising 16.1 million, immeasurably more. But that's not the rest of the story. The rest of the story is everybody is hearing about inflation, right? Cost of materials, plus Ryan will talk later about the things you find in an old building. This project actually was going to go from costing us 14.9 to 16.9. That includes some things we're doing at Next Step as well. But we needed 16.9 to keep up with the initial cost. And God being God who... Um, Wow. Yeah. God being God, we ended up raising 17 million when we needed 16.9. And originally the feasibility study said eight to 10 million is what we can raise. Um, so that's like the story from Tom asking the best question ever to where we are right now. And um, but like like Ryan, I want to I want to know what you're going to pick. So and it's an old building. Nothing's been done. Um, talk about some of the things you found that we just not, we're not expecting, and, and like the listeners aren't even going to think this is true. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, which ones do we pick? <laughs> I mean, we found um, big swaths of area uh, where they poured gypcrete, a lightweight concrete, over top of the entire floor to encapsulate the old flooring up to all the walls. So when you tear out all the walls and you go to change the layout to what we want the building to look like, there's all these two-inch tracks through the whole entire floor. I mean, you can't you can't start with that. So do you tear it all out? Do you fill it all in? Well, the, was the structure designed to support all that weight? So there's a lot of stop moments to do the right thing, where we've had to take a look at the building and evaluate what was this building designed to do? It's gone through several renovations and several additions from what it was originally designed to do 
to when the first edition went on to the second edition. And we have to evaluate, hey, this happened at some point during the lifespan. Do we have to correct that? Will it, will it work? We've found um, we're now on our second major structural beam that we've opened up and found that someone has cut a chunk out of. Well, the beams are what carry the weight of the building, and if there's a large piece of it missing, structurally it's a stop moment. Do the right thing. Yes, it's worked this long. But we want it to work for another 100 years. <laughs> I, I, need to, I need to be really clear on one thing. When Ryan said they cut something out of it, the they is not Mel Trotter. We, we weren't cutting no beans. <laughs> Somebody at some point in the lifespan. Um, Just so want there's to make been, that clear. And, and that, that happens with old buildings, right? It's been there yeah. for 100 years. It's gone through different ownership, different uses. Yeah. yeah multiple editions. We're putting another edition on it, so not only does it have to carry the weight of what we're putting into there, but a whole other floor that we're adding onto the building right now. Um, and we, we've got a, um, a good team of designers that have been able to stop on a moment's notice, come out, evaluate what that structure is, what's going on it, where does it support it on all the connecting floors below um, to help us re-engineer our way out of those problems. So I have a question. I'm, I'm listening to all this, right? And my mind goes immediately to like HGTV, of which I'm a big mm -hmm. fan, right? Rock the block. You have a certain amount of budget. As an example, it's the latest show I'm hooked on. And you go, okay, I've got this much money. I want it to look good. But what you're saying is you can't even get to the how it looks until you know that this thing's going to actually like be supported and do. Mm -hmm. But that's not, you know, that's not super fun stuff from an mm -hmm. aesthetic standpoint. Mm -hmm. It's just a necessary stuff, mm -hmm. yeah, things that are required. But when you stumble upon things like you just shared, mm -hmm. Process-wise, I truly don't know this. Do you obviously stop, and then do you go to Jeff, or like, how does that work internally with us? Like, where do you take these findings and go, okay, guys, um, I'm not making this up. This might cost you some more money. Like, what? How does this all look behind the scenes? Um, it, internally? It's two part. One, Jeff gets involved, so he's aware of the processes. The owner's rep, um, and he needs to be aware that hey, we're, we're at a stop moment here until we can figure out what we're going to do with this scenario. We, we got to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. Uh, but also Richard Craig is the architect, and he's also a board member for Mel Trotter. Mm -hmm. um, he's been involved with this building for the last couple decades. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, so he's incredibly knowledgeable about the building and the history to what's happened. Uh, and, and so he comes out, his office is downtown, right down the road. So he typically walks down, he goes, yep, I'll be there in five minutes. And he walks <laughs> down, and which, which is extremely handy that he's yeah. local, yeah. he drops what he's doing, he comes down and he helps us evaluate it. And we gather the team, we come around and we, we figure out, you know, what are our options? We put some cost to them, you know, good, better, best. And we, you know, evaluate it and we work our way out of the problem. That's awesome. So. Yeah. Rich, between Rich and Jeff, you guys are both really sort of chill guys, right? Like nothing's going to really ruffle a lot of feathers. You're going to take it in stride because decisions have to be made. Whereas probably there's a reason nobody's informing me. I might have some, you know, my hands in there a little bit. But Jeff, talk about when you have received multiple times news like this from Ryan and Tom and whomever on the Rockford side going, okay, we might need to take a little time out here. Yeah, that comes from constantly seeking wisdom from God <laughs> and our capital campaign's theme of immeasurably more. Yeah. So it's usually when Ryan gives me an email or a phone call, I just have to pray for myself. Thank you, Lord, for measurably more. No matter what. Because <laughs> we're going to need a little more. Right. Because <laughs> we're going to need more now. And, uh, and that's really been what the whole process has been about, you know, not only from what Dennis had talked about with the fundraising piece but and, and the challenges that the 
the construction and deconstruction of an old building has and understanding it's like it was originally built a one-story structure that took on a second story that took on half of a third story and now we are doing the finish of the third story on a building that was intended for one. Oh, I didn't know that. And so it's it's very intricate and and so you always have to think it's like okay the immeasurably more that that comes out of that and the discoveries uh, construction wise so that's usually what goes through my mind first of uh, just being grateful that god is providing the immeasurably more because not only with the immeasurably more challenges that have come up it's just what Rockford and our trade partners and and our general contractor our, our foreman Mike um they've given of themselves immeasurably more mm-hmm. from patience with us yeah. as yes. Mel Trotter um, and our learning curves and our changing direction when we need to. Um, but they've, they've had immeasurably more patience mm-hmm. on, on something is so complicated. And it is, it's, it's such a blessing to hear, even Mike. I mean, he's, I don't know how many years Mike has had in projects like this, but he says, this is the most complicated project I've ever been a part of. And, and I think even Ryan and I have had some great conversations of never have we been a part of something so dynamic and changing and ever surprising. And that's just challenging everything that God has given us from an education perspective and how he's built our DNA. But it is amazing to understand how he's pulled the right vendors, mm-hmm. the right mm-hmm. people, the right boots on the ground, if you will, from the men and women that are in our building helping us tear it down and rebuild it. Yeah. Simply immeasurably more. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. so that's really what goes through my mind when Ryan calls. And then I take a deep breath and say, it's like, all right, let's, let's work through this. Wrong number. And then, <laughs> and then there are thresholds that it's like, okay, yep, I'll go ahead and sign off on that or... I tap on Dennis and Gordon and say, I need your advice, need your, your opinion, because this is you know going to cost X, and here's option one, here's option two. Um, both yeah. get things done, but they like look I don't even like emails different. from you anymore, because <laughs> I know it's going to cost me some money. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, that, that's that's how it goes with me. And But, you know, that, that immeasurably more kind of gives me that peace, because it, mm. it comes in all shapes and sizes. But it's just been a blessing because whenever it's just like, man, how are we going to get through that? I find out how. And it just gives you that piece of like, okay, we keep moving forward. I I do want to touch base. You touched something, Jeff. We we couldn't do it without the great partners that we have across uh, the Mm -hmm. whole landscape. We have some of the best trade partners in Grand Rapids that have partnered with us on this project to get through it. And they have donated some of their best foremen that have been able to be a huge piece um, to work through it. And I don't want to leave the city of Grand Rapids out either. The city of Grand Rapids yeah. has been a phenomenally strong partner in this. Um, this building, so when you design a building, it falls into different code classifications. There isn't a clear fit code classification that this building falls in. <laughs> so right. it, it's not a hotel, it's not a restaurant, it's it's not it's all long-term residence. <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't fit a yeah. clear defined category. So they've been um, great to work with to navigate what makes sense for what we're doing for the greater good of the occupants of the facility and for the city of Grand Rapids with both the 225 Commerce Building and then in the uh, um, 
really quick renovation over at 200 Division. Right. Um, right. Overflow. Yeah. You know, stepping in and going, yeah, let's get it done. This is what the list is. Let's get people in here now. Right. Well, and they're, and they're in every week to inspect. Yeah. I mean, which is, I think, fairly odd <laughs> that, that you would have weekly inspections with that. I mean, that's a huge resource dedication. That's a yeah. huge commitment to the success of the project mm-hmm. that really does help us in the end save some money because they're helping us catch things in the moment before it becomes a finished product problem. Yeah, and, and you know, that's really a commitment from the top down in the city. I mean, uh, in November, Mayor Bliss came through because she wanted to see the renovations, and she was blown away. In fact, she's going to be a guest on this uh, in an upcoming episode. Uh, three weeks ago, City Manager Mark Washington came through because he wanted to, he'd been hearing about this, and he wanted to see it. And to say that they were blown away by what they uh, have seen would be an understatement, right? Um, so kind of along that theme, Tom, um, I know, because I've been with Mel Trotter for 10 years, so I know what Mel Trotter receives from our relationship with Rockford, right? Pretty obvious, um, the expertise, the skill, the, right? So from your perspective, what does Rockford receive from this relationship with Mel Trotter? That's a great question. Um, we, we strongly believe that one of our roles is to give back to our community. And as we partner, interact with the community, um, our team members at work can, can see that, recognize that. They, you know, if you go and tell somebody, I work at Rockford Construction, and they've had exposure to Mel Trotter and some of the things that we're doing together as a team, that they'll say, wow, you work at Rockford. Thank you for doing all that stuff at Mel Trotter. Or thank wow. you for doing this stuff here or there. And our team members in the office, they really value that. It, it gives them a sense of pride. Um, this is a project that makes a difference with the guests that are staying there. I think we mentioned previously it's an occupied renovation, right? right. So we're working around the, the guests, keeping everybody safe with staff, trying to identify how we're going to do that. I can't quote, you know, we've occupied some of the buildings so far, mm-hmm. and we, we have guests now staying in those rooms. And when you sent out just a little bit, I don't know, maybe a week or two back, some of their yeah. first impressions, some of their comments, and maybe you can sure. reflect on some of those comments, that is valuable. Our team yeah. finds, you know, the, the dedication and the commitment is, is personal. It's rewarding as an individual. It's spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God works in mysterious ways and, and brought us all here to do this on these days, right? And, and we believe that it's making a difference in our community. Um, all of us are winning as a team. We're making a big difference. So um, very rewarding. So, Jeff, because um, what Tom's talking about is, or what he was talking about partially, was um, the first phase of construction is over, which means that some of these rooms, these new rooms that we've developed, getting away from dorm rooms, have been open. And you just want to share, like, what some of the guest perspectives, the, the first ones that have gone into these new rooms, like how yeah. they responded. Yeah, I get the pr- 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 privilege of walking the uh, building every day and, and knocking on the doors of, of uh, the guests that are staying in there. And some of these rooms are being used on a 24-7 basis, which means the guests have access to the space 
to their bed um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, that's a huge change in our culture. Um, so this allows them to know where they're going to sleep, know where they're going to get some rest. If they're working first, second, or third shift, they can get the sleep when they need the sleep. And so the first wave of rooms are about 50 or so rooms now that are occupied in this 24-7 piece now. Um, when I start talking with the men about how's the experience, what, how, what is this meaning to you? Um, one of the guys pulled me aside and said, you know, Jeff, I work full time at 15 bucks an hour in this manufacturing company. And I sleep in the day center. I'd sleep out in the street, just some, anywhere that I can get some sleep. And he says, what this room now means to me for the first time is that I can get the rest that I need when I need it. So it's helping me think more clearly. It's helping me have more energy. It says there are opportunities at work to get promotions into higher paying jobs. They're more complex, but I haven't even been able to think about it because I'm so worried about keeping the job that I have because I'm so exhausted when I go to work. It says for the first time, I'm able to actually go after those jobs that are paying four to five dollars an hour more than what he's currently making. But he's never had the confidence to be able to do that because he's been so fight and flight into maintaining what he had with what little he had. But this space created the rest, broke down some of the barriers that he had with just day-to-day -day life survival to where just like, I'm going after this position now. He actually got that position and he's one step closer to not needing that space, which is the ultimate goal. And so, and he's not the only gentleman that shared that story. Some of them are, are just for the first time thinking more clearly about where they're at and how to end their journey in homelessness where they've never even had the thought. It was just, I'm making it to the next hour, I'm making it to the next 24 hours, and it's 24 hour snippets at a time for survival even inside Maltrotter when we had this big massive dorm of 110 men, just like, how do I get through that experience to get to breakfast? Those are going away. Mm. So it's, it's, there's just a few rooms right now that are that way. You know, not even half of the rooms are available because it's the east half. The west half has more rooms actually available for our guys. So it's super exciting. And, and we've got guys that are signing up for our new tracks program really, really quick because they're, they're understanding what this means. They're understanding the life change. They're understanding that Mel's Trotter is different and, and they're loving where it's going. Um, so it's just, it's, it's heartwarming. Um, the pride that they have in their rooms is great. Yeah. Now, we still have some life skills that we have to invest in how to take care of spaces. But when you compare the old space and how that was treated by guests mm -hmm. who are fight and flight survival mode to when you take that barrier away, yeah. this becomes a place that they can be more honoring and, and, and they work towards like, how do I maintain this? Because now it's a sense of who I am at this point in time in my journey. Mm -hmm. Um, which opens the door for conversations, right? I mean, this is conversations about that God loves them and that there is a God who is for them. This is conversations about if I'm, if I'm struggling with addiction, maybe I'm, I'm willing to at least listen 
to a conversation where before I blocked it. Because they feel worthy of receiving something. It's another comment right. I know. It's the, such an impactful, powerful story, Jeff, seriously. And what, what you shared reminded me of what another gentleman said, which is, wow, this space is really for us. Like he just really couldn't believe that he, quote, deserved that, that he was worthy of having a space of his own where he could go and think and reflect and rest and and know with certitude that this is a place that I is going to be available for me, right? Think right. about the folks whom we serve that have no idea where they're going to stay. They just don't know. And so now having that absolute certainty that there is a place for them. And Tom, I heard you say that, you know, it's stories like this, this transformation that really does make difficult work. You guys are working hard, hard, hard jobs and everything you do. It is not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination. But when you hear stories like this, it, it makes it all worthwhile, I imagine. And, and, you know, when I come in in the mornings and I, you guys are there and we're all there early, but you're there earlier. And, um, you know, your crew, I just know specifically, I, I see a personal change in them. And I'm wondering if you guys do as well, maybe just being proximate to the guests and seeing some of this transformation that Jeff spoke about. Have you heard any of that from your, your crew? I can tell. I think we brushed over it, but I don't think we gave it enough credit. When we decided that two, on 200 Division, that we had to occupy that space, that was a monumental initiative. It disrupted everybody's schedule. They dropped everything, all the trade contractors, and said, all right, this is what we have to do. It's getting cold. We have to have beds. And, and you already heard Ryan say, everybody, including the city, leaned in hard. Staff from El Trotter leaned in hard. And we got that place available and made it available to them. That's Our, our staff can recognize that if they couldn't stay in those rooms or in that building, where else would they be? They'd be outside because there was no place else to go. Yeah, and, and just so just so the listener knows, so 200 South Division is on Cherry and Division, and um, we knew because of the cold weather, because of COVID, and because of construction, that this winter we were facing, this past winter, we were facing a situation where not everyone that wanted to come in would have a place. Um, and none of us thought that was acceptable. So a long story short, we were able to lease uh, 200 South Division for a year. Um, but then to Tom's point and to Ryan's point before that, um, a lot of work needed to happen before people could stay there. And um, yeah, I mean, we went to you guys and we're like, help, because you guys have the skills and the trades to do this. And the cold weather, the snow is flying. We need to get people in here. And to your point, Tom, everybody pitched in, everybody to make this happen. So not only was it the construction, but then it was opening up another building. Um, and why? Because we fundamentally believe that everyone has dignity and is made in the image of God and and should have a place to go in and get warm and to sleep, you know, and that's just that's just a huge testament to all the trades, all the contractors, Rockford, Craig, Mel Trotter, everybody, right? So, yeah, I mean, have you, Ryan, have you heard like any stories from either Rockford guys or um, any of the other trades about how they may have been or are being impacted by working on this job site? Yeah, I think it's been eye-opening to a lot of folks um, to understand the homeless problem within Grand Rapids. You know, so many of us that you don't see much more of it other than when you pull up to the corner in Wealthy and, and you see someone there with a sign. Um, this makes it much more real. And it, it puts a face behind it. You see the conditions, and then you see a pathway forward. Um, I, I know of a couple folks right off the top of my head that have personally, there was a, um, one of the campaigns shortly after we uh, got started that, you know, made some donations 
out of his own personal paycheck. Wow. Um, in addition to, you know, we have a handful of firms that partnered here that also made significant donations, not at just time, but uh, financial <laughs> donations as well to get this thing up and off the ground. Um, that I wouldn't mind thanking at the end of it, to be honest. You can thank them right now. You can thank them right now. I mean, we have Andy Egan, Beist, Total Fire, Burgess, J.K. Masonry, Bennett Steele, Rockford Construction, Rockford Trades, both did, Balma, um, Century Flooring, S.A. Mormon, um, Todd McLemore, and then, of course, Richard Craig has donated an immense amount of time. I mean, all of these folks that have all made donations at the beginning of this project, and I'm sure I'm missing some JDH. along the way. JDH, yep, JDH Engineering, um, that you know have also made additional uh, donations throughout the process. And in addition to, like I said, some of the guys on site. Um, yeah. Thank it's, you. It's for, very awakening. Thank you for offering that. Thanks right now. And yes. you know, one of the things that I often say is, we cannot do this work without others. We just can't. It's mm-hmm. impossible. And I think as you just went down that vast list mm-hmm. of folks to thank, it just continues to point out how how much this sort of um, community engagement is necessary. There's no mm-hmm. way. There is absolutely no way this could happen, first and foremost, as we mm-hmm. talked about earlier, without the immeasurably more, you know, everything that God provides, right? We know that. But then boots on the ground and, and to make what God has provided each of us sort of tangible in action requires so many different skill sets, so many different people who are stepping up to the table to say, you know what, um, this is what God has gifted me with. These are my skill sets. This is what I have to offer. And, and we're just very, very thankful and humbled by the way that the community has come together, by our just incredibly generous donors uh, and board members, Tom. I mean, we just, you know, I... I sit here often and thank folks and, and wonder if it's coming across in a way that sounds as appreciative as we all really are. So just thank you. Very well yeah. said. I, yeah. I think it's important to note that we truly respect every dollar that was donated. Yes. We understand and we're as frugal as we can be. And, and yeah. when you hear Jeff worry about money and Ryan worries about money all the time, <laughs> he, he is sincerely investing that energy to try to make sure that we don't spend yeah. a dollar more than we need to. Yeah. I think we'd but be... It, re- oh, sorry. But it ahead. needs to be of quality. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Because that's dignity, right? So we're not building the Taj Mahal, right? Nobody... That's that's not the goal of anyone. Um, you know, but we are going... We are building something that is dignified, uh, something that honors and something... You know, Early on, uh, Tom mentioned um, the last big capital campaign we did that developed the Women and Children's Center. And um, if you haven't toured that, if listeners haven't toured that, please come in and tour it. And and I remember when I started here 10 years ago, there would be some people that would tour it and they would say, oh, you've made it too nice. And I said, what do you mean? And they're like, well, if you make it too nice, people won't want to leave. And I thought, well, that just doesn't sound right. And now having been at Mel Trotter for 10 years, I can tell you it's the exact opposite. When you give somebody a place of dignity to stay, when you make it, if we want to use the word nice, when you make it nice, right, it actually is to the story that you're told, Jeff, it actually allows people to stop, to think, to breathe, and to start thinking, well, wait a minute, what else might there be for me? Because, you know, like a year ago, I was sleeping under a bridge, and now I'm in this dignified place. Nobody wants to be in a shelter, but at least this is a place of dignity. Well, what else might I be able to do? Could I actually have a home, right? So, so 
history has proven to me, it's not if you make it too nice, they won't want to leave. It's if you make it really nice, they'll dream about what more they can have and they'll leave more quickly. Um, and that's the that's the beauty of what we're doing here. And, and Beth, I want to echo, and Ryan, I want to echo what you guys said. Um, you know, for 122 years, this ministry has, has been in existence in, in Grand Rapids. And there are a lot of common threads in those 122 years. You know, most important common thread, it this ministry always has been, is, and always will be centered around Christ and the compassion of Christ. Another common thread is this is not about the person leading it or the board or the staff. This is about this entire community. I mean, look at all the businesses, the city, um, the private donations, the foundation, the churches, the individuals that come together year after year to make sure that this ministry continues to go on because we know that people need it. Right. And that's that's what this is about. So when we have a ribbon cutting, um, this will be a celebration of what the community is doing for our fellow brothers and sisters that are made in the image of God. And that's going to be a great day. That's going to be a party. Yeah. As I heard you guys talking about all these folks, I just in my mind just kept hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> and I think one of the um, faithful servants, Dennis, that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about is Tim. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah. let's let's take a second and talk about our chief campaign officer. Tim. Yes. <laughs> uh my friend Tim. Um you know, uh Tim was at Mel Trotter for about 8 years uh working in development, uh, raising money and uh then after seven or eight years, um God called him to leave and go to Potter's house. So uh with our blessing, he followed God's plan for him and he left Mel Trotter and went to Potter's house and he was their development director for two years. And during that time, because we were friends, he and I would keep in touch and uh, we'd have lunch every now and then. And um, as we were moving into this campaign, I kept picking his brain, right? I'm like, okay, Tim, you know, we're going to go for this campaign. So let's talk about our donors and who should we ask first and all this kind of stuff. And um, one day I was kind of joking and I was like, hey, Tim, you know, I wonder if you could like work for us on the side leading our campaign. And um, we both laughed and I didn't think anything of it. And about a week later, Tim calls me and he said, you know, I was talking to my wife and we decided to pray because there's something here that we're not thinking of and there, we can feel a stirring. And um, a long story short, that prayer ended uh, in him being led back to Mel Trotter to lead this campaign. And um, this guy has passion. This guy has energy. This guy raises money really well. <laughs> and um, he has been instrumental in doing this. But but the, here's the most important story I can tell about Tim. Um, when he came back to Mel Trotter, um, the very first executive leadership team meeting that we had, uh, Tim was late for. And Tim's usually not late for meetings. So I thought, well, that's a bit odd. Maybe he, in his two years, forgot what time we meet. Um, he comes in, and it was obvious that he had, had tears in his eyes. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what happened, right? So I can't start this meeting before I ask. And I said, Tim, are you okay? And he says, no, I'm not. And I said, what happened? And he said, you know, I'm late because I was on a tour. I was walking through the mission because, you know, I've been gone for two years. And he said, I walked into the women's overflow shelter. And this is an overflow shelter that for many years was only used in the winter. But the homelessness is escalating so much that now this overflow shelter for women was used every day of the year. And he said, I'm broken because I saw mattresses on a floor. And he's like, is that 
all the best that we can do. We tell people that they're made in the image of God and have value. And then we're asking women, some of them elderly, to get on the floor on a mattress. He said, we have to do better than that. And I'm like, yeah, what? And Tim being Tim, we're going to start a separate campaign right now, and we're going to raise money for bunk beds. And I already called Next Step, and I said, how much would it cost to, to do all the bunk beds that we need? And Next Step told him something like $20,000 or something like that. And Tim said, so I'm launching a campaign this afternoon. We're going to raise that money. Um, well, guess what? He launched it. He didn't raise $20,000. He raised $75,000, which allowed us to get all the bunk beds that we needed so that no woman would have to be on a floor again. It allowed us to get brand new cots for men in the same situation so that they wouldn't have to be on the floor. And it allowed us uh, to buy some cots and some bedding for one of our sister organizations that shelters people. Um, right. So that's Tim's heart. So, you know, when he came back to lead our campaign, um, of course he did. And of course we were immeasurably more blessed. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good sentence, it, but it works. Yeah, <laughs> no, it works. Tim is just um, an incredible servant. And honestly, I've never met anybody with more humility who raises the kind of money that he does. And he would he's probably not liking that we're talking about him right now, nor would he be like, hey, let me say words. He's just, you know, he's that humble. Um and I think you sum that up. He also, P.S., calls me Mrs. Fisher, which he gets a big kick out of every day. So I'm like, you know my name. Please, he just, yeah. So good dude. Thanks for, for sharing that about him. Yeah. All right, Ryan, I have one very important question to ask you. Did you know that you were going to marry an Ohio State Buckeye? Your wife, I hear, also hails from the Ohio State University. No, I didn't know I was going to marry the Ohio Buckeye. <laughs> <laughs> I was out of town and... Um, I met the love of my life. <laughs> I, I was uh, just enjoying being on the road, working for Rockford Construction. I used to work all over the Midwest for them. Um, and, you know, my travels took me all over the place. And I just met an amazing human being and had to bring her back across the border to the good side. Um, Some would say <laughs> to heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. So yeah. you North. met her in Columbus? I met her in Toledo. Okay. Yep. Slightly better than Columbus, but not much. <laughs> There's more Michigan fans in Toledo. That's true. Yeah. Columbus is a little dangerous for That's me. Right. That's right, yeah. We almost we almost came to an agreement to both become state fans last year. That would have been we wise. we couldn't do it. <laughs> See, I was going to say that there's this old saying that I remember my mom used to say, love covers a multitude of sins. So I think the biggest sin is Ohio State. So your love for your wife has covered that sin. Um, just for the record, my wife went to Michigan State. Um, so go green. And, um, you know, I, I just think that Michigan State is so much better than Ohio State. I'm just going to say it. I would just like to thank you for including us in this today. Yeah. I mean, it, it – uh, You've made it easy to participate in a, a really humble and honest conversation, full transparency, and um, we're all blessed. Yeah. Thank you for allowing it. Yeah. It's not an easy project, but it's worth it. it. It's humbling. It's fulfilling. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being here. Thank you for showing up today, just as you do every single day around our mission to um, make it immeasurably more than we could ask, think, or imagine. So we appreciate you. And listener, we appreciate you. Thank you for joining us again this week on another episode of Everyday Humanity. And we will see you all next week.